All right, welcome back for another week of Last Ones at the Bar. We're back again to give you uh, what you need as far as your boxing needs are concerned. My name is William Henry. All right, today, fellas, we're recording on February 14th, which is basically Valentine's Day. You know, they say that this is a day for lovers to express their affection, you know, for their significant others. You know, how are you fellas going about celebrating Valentine's Day with your significant other? Uh... Well, you know, just make sure the wife is encouraged, you know. Um, I'm the, the, the flowers and candy type dude and take her to a nice dinner and just show her some attention because, you know, because I'm a, a pretty busy guy a lot of times. And, and sometimes I feel like, you know, a little guilty that I'm not showing her the, you know, the attention and love and affection that she probably she needs. So uh, this is a day to reflect on that and see, you know, areas where I fall short and I can do better and, and go after that. Yeah, my man. So you, you rocked it out for, for all three of us on that one. All right. So let's go ahead and get off into the episode that we have for you uh, this week. We're going to pretty much got like a short podcast that we're going to um, unravel today because we have four fights that we're going to recap. And so the first fight we're going to recap is from the Dazone evening fight card, which had Joe, um, Jojo Diaz versus Rockamoff. What did you guys think about that fight? Well, first, before we uh, get into the Jojo Diaz fight, I, I do want to congratulate uh, uh, Troy Isley, who made his debut yesterday. He's from the uh, Alexandria Boxing Club. He's trained with um, Shakur Stevenson. Um, he had a win yesterday against Brian Costello. Um, and you know, I did my my main man Destin Destin Davis put me on to him, so I did some of my research, uh, uh, looked at him. I was like, hmm, that's an interesting guy, and I, and I like to see up and coming guys and see uh, how their career is going to turn out and uh, things of that nature. Uh, he has a lot of heavy hitters in this corner, so he has a lot of the right people that's going to tell him the right things and give him the right advice. So I'm excited to see where his uh, career is going to go. So congratulations to Troy Isley. Um, now, um, Jojo Diaz versus uh, uh, Ragamoff. Um, I apologize, I cannot pronounce his first name for anything. Um, this was an interesting fight. If you heard our podcast uh, last week, we said that he would give Jojo some, some a little bit of trouble. Um, Jojo Diaz, 31 and one with 15 knockouts. He has uh, a lone loss which was a spirited loss to uh, Gary Russell Jr., uh, where, you know, he fought pretty good, but Gary Russell was just too much for him. He lost the decision to Gary Russell. Um, but he, since then, he's went on a five-fight winning streak um, and ended up ca capturing the IBF title um, against Kevin Farmer, which was a fight that he, he really pretty much showed how tough he, really, he is. You know, he, he gutted that one out. But for this fight, he ended up losing that same IBF title on the scales where he weighed in at uh, 133.6 pounds. Um, and this was a, a super featherweight bout contested at 130. So um, as, as we said last week, that this fight was going to be pretty much you know, hard for Diaz. And it was a difficult fight for Diaz at, at some spots. But I think him not making weight uh, – that can either help or hurt you. And in this case, it sort of helped him because he was obviously the, the bigger 
guy. It seemed like he was doing more damage to Rockenoff. And Rockenoff didn't seem to be conditioned down the stretch as as uh, Diaz was. And I think it wasn't that Diaz, you know, trained hard or anything like that. JoJo has a great engine. And, you know, I think draining it might have might have made that fight slightly different. Right, he, he might not have uh, gotten the draw. You know, if for, of course this fight was a draw, scored a draw, a majority draw, and it was a lone uh, scorecard that uh, was 115 and 113 for JoJo Diaz. Me personally, I thought JoJo might have edged this fight, and I thought he won this fight. Um, Raganoff did pretty much pretty good in the in the, uh, the, the middle of the fight. Uh, but I think that he, you can see that he was he wasn't his condition. He started getting tired, and JoJo started finishing this fight uh, down the stretch. And um, one thing I, I I I thought I knew, which I, I stated last week, but you know it didn't turn out exactly, is that how Raganoff is. You know, um, you know he's an inside fighter, and JoJo is an inside fighter. JoJo actually can fight from mid range also, and that's where Raganoff was pretty much failing at because every time Raganoff would come in, JoJo would time him and catch him, and he was catching him with these eye-catching shots. And in my eyes, I didn't necessarily score the fight, but in my eyes, I thought Diaz was catching more uh, eye-catching shots. Raganoff um, was pretty much uh, when he did get caught with, with, with from JoJo, he seemed more affected than JoJo was from his punches because when Raganoff would catch JoJo, JoJo was walking right through it, and uh, JoJo has shown he has a, a a great chin. Um, now, now that said, I think um, this fight is likely is going to be a rematch. I feel bad for uh, Kevin Farmer because he, he was banking on that rematch with uh, Diaz, and it would be kind of pointless because there's no title involved if he did get that rematch now. So these guys will have to fight before he gets a rematch with JoJo, or even gets a fight with Raganov if Raganov wins that rematch. Um, but it, it was a you know decent fight, decent scrap. Um, I think Raganoff uh, kind of got exposed a little bit. I don't think he's as strong as advertised. And, and honestly, I think if he fights someone like Chris Colbert, Colbert would probably Colbert. I'm sorry, Chris Colbert. He would probably get stopped late. Uh, but that's all I, I saw from this fight. Okay, so yeah, what I can add to that, like you said, Diaz came in nearly four pounds overweight and wanted to say it was like 3.6 uh, pounds. And um, as the fight was going on uh, throughout the fight, Diaz was the more accurate fighter, but Rockamoff, he threw more punches. Also, Diaz to me appeared to land the harder shots, you know, the more telling blows. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I had it either a draw or Diaz was up. Um, slightly. And then, uh, just as you stated, I thought Ragamov going into the fight, I thought he had heavier hands. I thought he would, he was, he was a bigger puncher going into the fight. And he really wasn't doing too much damage when he, when he was land, landing on Diaz. And it could have been an extra weight that Diaz, um, you know, was carrying that kind of helped him out as well. Um, I don't know, but he, he seemed to be a much lighter puncher than I anticipated. But, I mean, with that being said, like I said, it, it was a close fight. Could have went Diaz in his favor. But I just – it left a sour taste in my mouth because of the fact that he didn't make weight. And really, in these situations, I think that they might need to figure out some way to, like, punish guys who come in overweight 
so that you don't have those situations occur in the future. That's the unfair advantage that you have over the other guy and the guy spending that time, you know, um, it could, it could help work and hurt because Diaz didn't even make any effort to make weight. So saying all that to say, I got a proposal that they should take into consideration. And that is that, um, if the other fighter, well, if a fighter comes in overweight, the other fighter should get the amount of pounds that the guy missed weight, he should have that added to his scores. So if Diaz is like 3.6 pounds overweight, then at the end of the fight, he should get four more points added to his score. Or what you can do, or in addition to that, you can also, if a guy missed weight, they lose their belt, and then they get suspended for a year at least. But it has to be something because that's unfair for the guy who, you know, was professional and came in underway. But that's all I have for that particular problem. For whatever it's worth, uh, Dan Rayfield reported on Twitter. So Diaz's purse was 500K. Um, so as a result of, of missing weight, the commission fined him 20% of that. So he lost 100K from that. Uh, and 50k went to Rock and Mob, and, and additional 50k went to the commission. And so, um, so for whatever it's worth, he did get a financial penalty there. Um, but I will shout him out because he did at least make the rehydration weight, which I believe there was a 10 pound weight limit. Um, and so he was within that on the second day. And and you know he he dug deep when it counted. You know um, I had. Off the strength of Rakama's power and his aggression, I I kind of more or less on a whim uh, predicted an upset. I wasn't very like, you know, I wasn't very like uh, passionate about it, but I, I I could see could have seen it happening. And in the mid rounds, it looked like that was going to happen. But I gave Diaz the last four rounds. It looked like Rakama had gassed, and, and Diaz really dug deep. And, you know, the timing was there. Um, he did bloody Diaz nose, but the timing was there, and he did land a more impactful shots. I had personally scored at 115 worth 13 Diaz. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, unfor- it's unfortunate for, for Tevin Farmer. But, um, you know, the game is a game. When, when, you, have, when you have moments, you got, you got to seize them. So I don't know if these guys will rematch. Um, I could see it happening. Um but you know it is what it is. It was it was a decent scrap, like you guys said. Yeah, no, I, I hear um, the talks about the rematch. Now, if he's coming in almost four pounds over the weight limit, how likely is it that he's going to be able to make weight if they do have a rematch at that same weight? Or should Diaz just consider moving up to a um, lightweight? I, if if I'm in his camp. I would try to make that weight again because lightweight, he, he does have a chin, but he doesn't have – lightweight is, is kind of a different animal for him right now, and I don't know if he has the power to compete or the skill to compete necessarily. He does have skill, but I don't know if he has the, the skill to compete at lightweight. So if it does happen in that particular – you know, his particular name is called for that fight – I would, I would try to make the weight again. I don't think it's impossible for him. He did come in heavy, but it, it could be a, a COVID effect thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, he has some personal stuff going on in his life, too. Maybe he didn't take the fight serious, but um, 
but yeah, I would try to make that way okay. Yeah, I don't think it was a, you know, I don't think it was a, a sense of him not being able to make the way. I think it's, I think it was more so, and I don't know this for sure. It's just my on the outside looking in. I think it's more so him not being as focused. I think he really can make one thirty. I think he's just uh, some reason he just you know a lot going on in his life. Uh, he's seen even more you know uh, bulky and pudgy uh, than he should have been for this fight. Um, maybe he he wanted the unfair advantage. I don't I don't know, but. I, but from my eyes, I think he actually can make 130 if he trained for it and worked on making it. He can make it. Yeah, I mean, based on his build, he looked like in the middle, in his midsection, he looked wide. You know what I mean? Right. But that's a lot of weight, though, like 3.6 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like if, if he was like maybe like one pound over and then, you know, couple that with some of the issues that he had, the distractions that he had outside the ring, then it didn't make more sense. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. That's what I was just asking. Like, that's a lot of weight to come over to limit that. I mean, for what it's worth, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tank originally missed weight when he first went up to fight Gamboa, but then he was able to pretty easily make 130 when he went back down to fight Santa Cruz. So... You know, I don't. I don't know what the what these individual guys have going on in their lives. I know. I, I do know in Diaz's case, he just had a, a newborn, I believe. But, um, but you never know. But I, I would imagine that he he will make the weight cool. if it came down to it again. So the next fight we're gonna go through uh, was Josh Warrington. Um, the was the king at one at one twenty six at featherweight. Uh, fought Mauricio Lara. How'd you guys? Yeah, that's another good fight. Um, I was in and out, man. I was going to get things for Valentine's Day. You know, I had to go out and grab some roses, you know, from from, from the Amazon. You know, it, not not the Bolivia side, but the Brazilian <laughs> side. So, you know, but I was out getting that stuff. But I had my app up, you know, the Zona app, and I was checking this fight out. So, you know, going into the fight, Josh Morrison, he had fought and like. 16 months, and I think that might have played a role in the outcome of this fight. But as the fight started, it started off, it was a fast pace. Both guys were landing some shots early. And then I noticed that Warrington, he started slower than usual. Also, I think Laura surprised Warrington on how durable and tough he was and how heavy-handed he was early on. Um, it, was, it was good. It was a good action-packed fight. And then a fourth round hit. And with a fourth round hit towards the end of that round, Josh got clipped with a left hook by Laura. Man, I don't know how in the heck Warrington survived. Warrington got some serious heart, man. Like he got, he, He's really a tough kid. But I do think that the referee should have stepped in and stopped that fight and not let it go on any longer um, because he was really in bad shape. And then for like the rest of the fight, Warrenson was still on shaky legs throughout the rest of it, and I don't think he ever fully recovered from that punishment he took fourth round. Laura uh, himself, from the fourth round to the end of the fight, he was like getting gassed himself, trying to put Laura, uh, Warrenson away. And then, um, you know, like I say, Warrenson, man, like he has some serious heart. Like I, I really give him credit for that. 
And from like the fourth round to the seventh, eighth round, both of them were landing like some big shots, like on a regular basis. Then it came to that ninth round. Larry got his second win. And then, you know, he was landing some massive shots. And when he landed, eventually he ended up landing another left hook. And then that was all she wrote. He put his lights out. Um, the takeaways that I got from this fight is, again, I keep saying the same thing. Josh has some, has some heart, man. And based on the punishment he took yesterday, I hope he's okay. I hope they check in on him and everything because the injuries or the punishment he took, those can be – that can take a lot out of a fighter. And then Josh is like a volume-type puncher or volume-type fighter, and it usually doesn't go well in terms of those fighters coming back after they take punishment in the way he did yesterday. And then, um, you know, two things also could have played a factor in this. One is the 16-month layoff. The other thing is is that Josh had things lined up. You know, he had a plan that he had to, like, collect other belts and other fights that he was going to fight. So I don't know how focused he was on Laura. He was thinking that this was like a tune-up fight, and Laura wasn't having it. And so basically, Laura upset the apple cart. Um and then on Laura's end, he, he looks to be a promising fighter at, at the age of 22. And so, you know, like I say, things seem to be on the um, upswing for him. Now, as far as him and Josh again, I don't think that they're going to put him in a ring with Josh for a rematch. I think what they're going to do is they're going to British, British uh, Prescott him, just like uh, Amir Khan never gave British like a rematch or he never went for that rematch he's going to have to go in a different direction. And so for him, hopefully, he'll be able to fight for the 122-pound IBF championship next. But that was an awesome fight yesterday. And a great performance by Lark. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned the COVID effect earlier a second ago, and, and I don't know. It was Warrington wasn't the same Warrington that I was used to seeing. Um, you know, it could have been with the 16 months of inactivity, in general or you know um i don't know but you know laura he he did have four fights in 2020 one of them didn't count but he was busy and and he was hungry um you know uh warrington was 30 and 0 going into this and you know kind of at the top of 126 uh laura didn't have any quality wins out of his two losses his most recent loss was to Elliot Chavez in 2018 and against Julio Carabino in his pro debut in 2015. Now, based on the way they both look going into this, there was no reason to think either would look the way that they did. And I'm not really sure how many questions that this answered about either fighter, but it does bring up some. You know, if you look at the top of the featherweight division, as things theoretically return to normal, you know, you have Laura who, who dis- dethroned Warrington. How does he fare against the top? How does he fare against a Gary Russell Jr., a Navarrete, Carl Frampton, so on and so forth? And, you know, you would like to think that Warrington could get back to where he was. But like you said, well, how does the damage that he took affect his career moving forward? He He's not necessarily old. He's 30 years old. But that's a lot of damage that he took. But either way, salute to him for hanging in there as long as he did. He just wasn't the same after 
after that knockdown in the fourth in the fourth round. And salute to to Lara for 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 going over to across the pond and, and collecting that strap. Yeah, good points. Uh, you both made excellent points. Um, the only thing that concerns me about Warrington going forward is, as you guys said, the punishment that he took. Because um, he's a volume puncher, even though he's you know about 30. He's a volume puncher, and volume punchers, unless they try to transcend their or change their style into more of a, a boxer, um, they, they pretty much burn out fast. Um, we, we've seen this with, with even with heavyweights like um, – Joe Frazier, we've seen this with Ricky Hatton. Um, volume punchers seen the who rely boxers who rely on volume uh, tend to burn out fast because of the you know the training, the the, the uh, exertion on the body. I mean, he's only human. But props to him, you know he. It was a lot of heart that he showed. I thought this fight was going to be over in the fourth when he was hurt, or during the fifth, um, and he was pretty much trying to fight his way out of that and he was on shaking shake uh and uh he was on shaking legs for pretty much five rounds up until the end you know he he was only uh a few punches from you know being hurt again and he kept uh keeping himself in the fight so i was impressed with that but um somewhere i think he's a promoter or either himself or even gary russell somebody's kicking himself from for not making that gary russell jr fight happen um, and I, and I think, uh, even though I, I have Gary Russell would have probably stopped Warrington, that probably would have been one of the best paydays that Warrington may have got. I don't know, uh, but surely for Gary Russell, that would have been the name that he needs and the, the win that he needs. And it would have been, a, a, a probably one of his best wins if he would have fought that Josh Warrington that we saw, um, last night. Um, but props to um, Mauricio Lara. He did what he had to do. Um, he, he he gave a great account of himself and, and provided the upset. You know, I mean, like uh, you said, uh, Danny, he's in a uh, um, weight class where it's going to be interesting going forward because uh, we'll see how good he is. You do have Carl Frampton, who is kind of on the downside, but you also have Gary Russell and. Uh, uh, Manuel Navarrete and those guys, and there'll be some interesting fights. I don't think he wins those fights. I don't think he's uh, personally on their level. Um, I thought it had more to do with, even though he, he got he got the job done and showed a lot of heart. He showed that you know he could be better in spots. I do think Josh Warrington overall should have been a better fighter, but that's more so. Um, I don't know. It, 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 this was a different Josh Warrington that we saw. It's kind of funny though, too. I mean, I'm not. I want to, you know, poke fun at Josh Warrington. Josh Warrington because he did show heart, but you know, he's making these tough faces yesterday. I mean, the day before yesterday at the weigh-in and like, I'm this tough guy. It's like, I mean, it was a way to go out. So uh, it was a good scrap. Um, props to both guys. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the featherweight division going forward um but like i said earlier it's kind of bad for gary russell because that was the fight he probably um would have got he could have gotten that fight and it would have been a a great fight to see and he probably would have won that fight and it would be one of his best wins um anything else you guys want to share 
Oh, yeah. I, I, I chime in a little bit. Um, there's two things. One thing Josh did show, if he didn't show anything else, he showed that he's a tough guy. I mean, it's no quit in Josh Warrington. And like I say, it looks like he may have too much heart, you know, for his own good. The other thing that I wanted to say um, was that to Laura, regardless if he's not on those other guys' level, he put himself in a position to get some get some money. You know what I'm saying? Like he would have lost that fight, then you know he would have been stuck somewhere over in oblivion where he wouldn't have been able to get the paychecks that he's going to get. Just imagine if he does get a fight with somebody like Frampton. That's going to be, you know, some money that he really could could um, you know benefit from. You know what I mean? So I just think that that win right there. He really um, put some zeros behind his name now. So, you know, shout out to him. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to him. He, he gets a, a belt out of it. He gets to feed his family. And, you know, we, we want the best. But we know fighters put their lives on the lines. And at the end of the day, uh, if, if they're going to do that, at least be able to feed your family, you know, and, and live a, a, a good, productive life where you don't have to worry about too much after you're fighting. You know, it's already – Bad on the body enough. Um, did, did Josh get that belt up before the fight, though? I know. He, oh, did he? Yeah, I, thought he I, I thought he um gave up the IV up. I could be wrong, but I thought that that's what I heard them say. He was doing that for some reason where he can make some fights against some other fighters or something like that, maybe because he didn't want to have to deal with mandatories or something like that that they were saying. You're correct. He, I think he did get that belt up. So it kind of, you know, yeah. You know, Lara, he still, he, you know, he gets himself into – that conversation where he can fight for those titles is probably a vacant and he probably can fight for it next. True. So we had uh, um, yesterday, one of them was uh, for the WBO uh, title at uh, light middleweight slash super welterweight uh, limit of 154. Uh, we saw Patrick uh, Teixeira versus Brian uh, Castaño. Uh, what do you guys uh, think of that fight? Yeah, going into the fight, uh was 31 and one sole loss was to curtis stevens he had 22 knockouts castanio was 17 0 and one he had uh, a pretty contested draw against eris landi lara um and to was a belt holder so castanio came into this like underdog but man that guy's aggressive i scored it um, 118-110 in favor of Castanio. He just came the whole fight. I wish I had the copy box, but I believe he threw um, around somewhere between 1,000 and 1,100 punches total. Um, and, he, you know, he came in. Teixeira had the, the height advantage. He was 5'11". Castanio was, I believe, 5'7 and a half. Um, and he, he just kept coming. And Teixeira, in, in spots, he, he kind of landed some clean shots. I gave Teixeira the fifth and the ninth round. And in those rounds, he did a better job coming forward and um, and kind of fighting on the inside. And, you know, salute to him because he was really – he took a lot of damage, honestly, and took a lot of shots. But, you know, he wasn't rattled. And uh, despite the aggression, you know, he still – really did his best in this fight. Um, but Castanio just, he just came. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, Teixeira was looking for this to be a fight that was set up, set him up for unification with, with Charlo. 
Um, you know, but uh, Castaño, salute to him. You know, he came in here. He did what he had to do. Uh, it, it was a very entertaining fight. Uh, one side of entertaining. Uh, Castaño had this way of, like, he, he kind of, like, moved around a lot. Like, in some ways that what most other fighters would seem out of control. But he wasn't. It was just a testament to his footwork and his athleticism. Um, so I, I was, he, he gained a fan of me last night. I had seen some of his fights before, but, but, uh, he had a really good performance. Yeah, I agree with all the points you made, Danny. It, it was a, a good fight from Castaño, uh, to share a try. Castaño was just uh, too much for him. He, he kept moving. He, he was stalking to share the entire fight and the share was trying to move, use the ring. Um, but it wasn't really, you know working Castaño was just putting too much pressure on him and it and he was using his it's interesting to see a shorter fighter use their lack of height you know sometimes where you know Teixeira couldn't was punching down at him and couldn't sometimes couldn't you know catch him like he wanted to and when he did uh Castaño just showed that he had a chin he was walking pretty much through him and you know not being bothered and I've seen you know Castaño in, in a few fights and it, it's a lot of times it, He's a guy who who sometimes I can underestimate and bet against because he he happens he can take he takes these shots and you think that somebody's gonna stop him and it doesn't always happen <laughs> it doesn't happen even with the, in the Lara fight he, he was pretty much outworking uh, Lara and he did he gave a great account of himself um, in that fight uh, some thought he won that fight um, so it, it it was good to see him finally get the. the you know, get the title that you know that he earned as a WBO title. Um, but at the same time, you know he, he's a WBO, he's the WBO champion. You know, at 154, uh, it's only one fighter that has the other three belts, and that's Jermel Charlo. So that that'll be a fight that's going to get you know discussed as time go on. Um, I know that maybe it could be a promotional uh, issue. I don't know, but I think this fight has a group. Even with that, I think this fight has a great chance of happening, and it would definitely be interesting. I'll probably underrate Castaño again, but you know, it's, it's a fight that he earned. It'll be a great fight for all the marbles. Yeah, you guys made some really good points um, as far as you know, basically what went on throughout the course of the fight. I think Castaño just basically outworked to share for the you know duration of the fight. Uh, so just thinking about where he goes next. And like you said, the obvious opponent would be Jermaine Charlo. So I'm looking to see how that fight will play out. And um, Castaño, the interesting thing about him is the fact that they said that he defeated Spence and then he also defeated Dariovchenko um, in, in the amateur. So he has some skills, you know. So I'd like to see him fight. I, I you know, vaguely remember the Laura fight. I remember it was close. I thought it was more so Laura wasn't necessarily focused in on him. I wasn't really necessarily paying attention to Castaño like that at the time, but maybe it was, you know, the fact that he does have those skills. I just couldn't base it anything on what I saw yesterday because to me, Patrick Chichera is one of the like weakest champions that we have in the sport of boxing. Um, the other thing, too, is that they mentioned that if he did get the victory yesterday, that he may end up fighting Bud Crawford. 
And so I'm thinking, like, bud, what are you doing, dude? Like, that's crazy that you would bypass all of the smoke that's in the 147-pound division, and then you'll go after another weak opponent. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And I was listening to um, Bud Crawford today, and I'm I'm a Bud fan as far as his skill. I'm just not a fan in terms of the moves that he makes as far as the opponents that he's facing and looking to face. I heard him say today that he's not looking, he's not going to mention Errol Spence anymore. He doesn't care about that fight. But the two fighters he, he that they're talking about fighting next, one is Sean Porter, which is what Bob Aram was saying, and he said he's looking for Manny Pacquiao. To me, that doesn't make sense, where he's saying that he doesn't want to mention Spence's name anymore, but he's still mentioning Manny Pacquiao's name. They've been mentioning Manny Pacquiao's name for like four or five years now, but you're still willing to talk about him. But the obvious top guy and the most competitive fight that you possibly can face at 147, you don't want to talk about him? Like, that don't make sense, man. So it's just frustrating to even – now, I'm going to tell you like this. You won't hear me mention Terrence Crawford anymore. You know what I mean? Because I'm tired of guys, like, figuring out ways not to fight stiff opposition. It's sickening. But, like I said, that fight yesterday, it was, it was cool. Um, Castaño did what he, was, what he um, had to do. And it's going to be interesting to see um, how he fares against uh, Jamel Charlo. Because I think Charlo, that's his ultimate goal, is to um, collect all those belts at 154. But that's all I have for that. Now, the last topic that we have for today is going to be that Richard Comey fight. Uh, what do you guys think about the Richard Comey versus Jackson Martinez fight last night? Yeah, that was a good, a great combat comeback fight for Richard uh, Comey. Um, I've been a fan of his. Uh, in that division, it seems like he sits kind of in the middle, uh, and he's in a, a, a very um, – strong division, a hard division, it's, it's very hard for him to succeed to be at the top of that division. But he, right now he's at, in a position where he can get those fights he needs. He came into this fight 29-3 uh, and three with 26 KOs uh, against Jackson uh, Marinez, came in this fight 19-1 and one with seven KOs. Now, uh, I remember uh, Jackson Marinez from the fight with uh, – uh, Rolando Romero, a fight that I thought he won going away, and it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm happy or sad that he got this fight uh, because this was a great step up fight for him. It was the the Richard Comey fight was the best fight he probably have you know had since you know as a pro. Uh, but at the same time, he deserved that fight coming off a win, not a loss. Now it looks like he's coming off uh, two losses. Um, because he really did beat Romero, and it should have been Mar- Mar- uh, Romero in the, in this fight last night, getting you know hurt and put to sleep. So uh, I did find it interesting that ESPN didn't really mention none of this in you know any way. They didn't try to push Marinez. It was really the a Comey show, and I guess he, you know, rightfully so. Um, but Comey, he was impressive. He came out aggressive. Um, Marinez was trying to you know box him and and. Uh, use a lot of movement, and he was giving Comey a little bit of trouble in the first two or three rounds where Comey was trying to figure him out. It seems like Comey was trying to 
reassert himself as a fighter. Uh, it was interesting watching him go through those, those motions of, of trying to come back and trying to get his his confidence back, and finally, uh, finally, finally getting that back. Um, he knocked uh, Marinez uh, down in the six uh, and hurt him pretty bad. And then he, he you know, caught him again. The fight was finally stopped. Um, so it, it, it was a good fight for Richard Comey. I think he sits in a spot where he can he can get those big fights that he wants. I mean, he he may be. Uh, I think he's an excellent opponent for those young guns we got coming up, like um, a Tank Davis or a uh, um, Devin Haney or even Ryan Garcia. And he's a stiff test for all of them because even though, you know, he was stopped by uh, Teofimo Lopez, Lopez has power, number one. And number two, Comey can crack also, um, even as we saw in the, in certain in some of those fights, uh, he can crack and he can you know he likes to to give an exciting fight as we saw against him and uh, Robert Easter Jr., which I thought he won that fight or edged that fight. I don't know if he won it going away, but he kind of, I thought he edged that fight. It was closer than uh, the scorecards. So uh, Richard Comey sits in a good spot. He's always an exciting fighter that uh, a lot of young guys would want to fight, and, and props to him. Uh, it, it, it was happy to see him get some of his groove back and get some of his confidence back. Yeah, I won't speak too much on it because you made most of the points that I was going to um, make as far as Richard Kone. Um, like you said, he's going to be a stiff, um, he's stiff opposition for any of the young lightweights. Uh, hopefully, one or some of them will take on that task again because it's going to be a good building block for them because he's such a rough, durable, power punching. So you got to be on your game to be able to deal with him. Um, as far as him moving forward, he's always going to be in the game because of the fact that he has that power and he's going to go for the gusto, you know. And any fighter that can get his timing down, that's going to be – at, to his detriment because of the fact that he's going to throw that right hand. Like, it's, it's coming. And just like Tiafimo Lopez, he just turned him into, you know, he just caught him before he was able to land on him. And so that's always going to be the dilemma, the dichotomy when you're dealing with a person like Richard Comey. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't handle that, like yesterday, he was just um, applying so much pressure on um, Marinez that he couldn't handle it. And eventually, you know, he was able to catch him with that right hand and put him away. You know what I mean? But some of those other guys, they might be a little bit too slick um, for Coleman. But like I say, you just go, always going to have to be on guard because he's such a heavy puncher. I think he has like 27 KOs and 30 of his victories. The other thing about him is that he's getting a little bit older now. He's 33 years old. Um, and he takes punches flush. So, you know, that could wear him out quicker than um, – somebody else who doesn't take as much punishment. But overall, it was, it was a good comeback fight for him. Um, I'm looking forward to see what move that he makes next and which opponent decides to um, take on that task because he is going to be a tough out in the lightweight division. I don't really have much else to add. I don't really have anything else to add other than what you guys have said already. You guys pretty much covered it, but um, I would just say it was an exciting fight. Um, 
like you said, Vel, it's kind of unfortunate that the hand that Marinez was dealt um, between the Romero upset and, and now this. Um, I, I hope that he's able to bounce back and still have a you know a long successful career. Um, but you know it was a good fight, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what. what yeah, I think that's all we got for this like week. We're gonna try to wrap things about. up a little bit early. That's all I got though. Um, another thing too, you guys still going with your initial prediction for that ball dance or shit fight that's gonna be next, that's coming up next week? Yeah, I'm, I'm riding with. I'm still uh, riding my with prediction. It. I think Brashell uh, is just too much for um, uh, Valdez. It just. Um, It'll be an exciting fight. Uh, I don't want to get my hopes up too much because I do expect it to be fight of the year tight. And if it's not that, I'll be kind of disappointed. But I do expect uh, Valdez to, to uh, build under the pressure of Burchette. Yeah, I, I, I think highly of Burchette. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Last, I mean, this past week, it was a lot of, um, you know, contender-ish. Even though guys may have had titles, they were, like, not your – top level upper echelon type champions, but they were still, you know, solid professionals. And so next week, I think Brissette is like in between that, what we saw this past weekend and then your upper echelon guys, he's like right there in the middle. But that matchup, it, it certainly appears to be one that could be a barn burner. So I look forward to that one. Um, last thing I was gonna say, just make sure you catch us on YouTube. Um, things are starting to pick up on there, but don't, forget to go ahead and like those videos make sure that you also subscribe to the channel um and then you know keep on the lookout for some of our other things that we have on social media on that note we out have a great monday peace